0: You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you
1: enjoy today's message.
0: All right. Well, good to see everyone. Come on, Steve. Good to have everybody here today. Love that, Greg, when you say, come on, Steve. Come on, Steve. You You need to let Greg tell you his story about Steve, okay? He used to do that all the time. We'd have Steve Backlin come here. He'd yell, "Come on, Steve!" And Steve said to me after a service, "Man, who's that guy? He's so passionate about encouraging me." And I'm like, uh. "Yeah, he's he's in. He's just passionate about encouraging people all the time." Hey, we had a birthday yesterday. Some a really special dude in the house. Very unique guy. Special artistic friend. And uh, amazing uh, photographer and artist and just all-around uh, guru, Brian Cohen. It was his birthday yesterday. <laughs> shout-out to Brian. When I do know it's your birthday, I will give you a shout-out, okay? If I don't know it's your birthday, don't get mad at me, okay? I can't, I can't do anything if I don't know about it, you know? So, uh, would you say somebody had an anniversary? Does somebody have an anniversary in the last couple of days? Nope. All right, you miss your word of knowledge, Craig. That's, bang. <laughs> okay, <laughs> could have swore. Okay, listen, you, you you cruise Facebook so much, it's no telling whose anniversary it was yesterday. Craig's in touch. I'm telling you, they're not here. Okay. Hey, I want to talk today a little bit about some things that, uh, they're, they're not hard, it's just I think it's good to have a refresher when, we, when we've got some new people here, maybe you know or you don't know kind of what, what our focus is and how we get, hopefully how we get our messages and all those kind of things kind of stem and they flow around this, which is kingdom values create kingdom culture. Kingdom values create kingdom culture. And if you'll go ahead and put that slide up. Uh, we've, the first one, yeah, sorry, yeah, so, there you go, thank you, Melissa, I was like, well, I hope you know which one it is, because, uh, they're in order, she said they're in order, so, so, uh, let me, let me just kind of explain this a little bit, so, you know, being, being a part of Bethel Reading and we've come out of this culture, uh, we've adopted, they have 13, that they, 13 core values, 13 kingdom core values that they really build their, the ministry that they do around in Redding. And uh, being a part of that, being a part of Bethel Atlanta, we adopted these core values. Now, there, there are many core values, okay? But these are the ones that we really love to focus on, preach on, talk about, uh, try to model. And we'll just, I'm going to run through them real quick. God is good. Salvation creates joyful identity. Responsive to grace Focused on his presence, creating healthy family. God's word transforms. Come on, somebody say yes to that one. God is still speaking, amen. Jesus empowers supernatural ministry. His kingdom is advancing, free and responsible. Honor affirms value, generous like my father, and hope in a glorious church, amen. We better have a hope in a glorious church because if if we don't have a hope in a glorious church then we're we're in trouble so uh but i I wanted to point these out to you because I wanted you to see when we come up and we speak uh, everything that we do is motivated and kind of surrounded through the structure of all the different facets and all the different core values that you can even build off of each one of these because. They're, they're all so important, and they're also really, really good. Let me, I'm going to read you a definition. A Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, culture is a set of shared attitudes, value, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or an organization. Amen? Our families, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, uh, our nation all have culture. Okay, They all have a culture. Uh, if you ever, ever heard the saying or right, "When in Rome, do as the Romans." remember that. And Rome had adopted this philosophy, "We're going to make the world Roman." And they, they did that pretty, pretty well. When we talk about biblical stuff, you know we, we talk about when the Romans were going in and they were making other places look like Rome, they were bringing their culture into another culture and transforming it. And, you know, we, we talk about apostles. What, what, what does the word apostle mean? The word apostle means sent one, okay? And that word apostle in the Greek is... Uh, ask, oh, mm, messed up on that one. Sorry. could <laughs> I, need a, I need to get a drink. It's just straight Coke Zero Dallas, I might need you to help me on this one. Apostolos right did I get it okay that 's the Greek word for apostle and you know what what Rome would do was they would have a general or an admiral take a fleet of ships or uh, several uh, uh, divisions of armies they 'd go into other countries or in towns they'd take over the towns. And that general or that, or that uh, admiral, his job was to make the place he was sent to look like the place he was sent from. Amen. And so w- Jesus literally adopted this same principle and this same word when we talk about apostle. And we know he did because when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, he set us up for it because he said, Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what was he saying? He was saying, my job, what I came to do was to make earth look like heaven. Which sounds so crazy. It's like, how could that happen? But he honestly, he believed that. He lived that. And he came to model, he came to model that for his disciples, but for the church. And so we see that, that it was super successful. And when the Romans, when the Romans did it, they took it everywhere they took it. They, they were successful. They did a really amazing job with it. And, you know, Rome was a powerhouse for a long, long time. But, you know, we as humans, we need context provided for us, by us, in culture in order to understand ourselves and how to thrive in that place. We need to understand what culture does and what core value, core values do. And, you know, you might not be aware of it, but you have hundreds Maybe you don't, you don't even know that. I don't think I even knew this. You have hundreds of core values that are inside of your soul that are a part of who you are. And they, they make you who you are. And for instance, if, if someone doesn't believe in God or they don't believe that he exists, then this will impact what he values, especially around his beliefs, around miracles, the supernatural, and so on. But if one does believe that God exists, then his or her values will reflect the image that God values. Amen? It's always supposed to reflect uh, what God values. And I'll say this, language alone, language alone does not create culture. It has to be modeled. Period. It has to be modeled. You know, and, and you might even say, well, you know, the core values, if they're not lined up with kingdom core values and what his core values are, you heard this said before that, you know, you, you teach what you know, but you impart who you are. And there's times, we've all been in churches where, you know, the pastor or the leader would get up and speak a message like, you know, hey, this, this is what we're going to do, this is who we are, but yet it felt totally weird, you know because it wasn't coming from a place of who his core what his core values were because your core values will lead you in the direction that will bring passion and bring life to you and it'll bring passion and life to the people around you does that make sense and so it's so important that we we understand that because like like for myself I don't even think I fully understood my core values for a long time because I was just like you know, I just was trying to model what everybody else was telling me I needed to be doing. Like, well, if you want to be a part of this church, you have to model this. And what happened if I was modeling what was being modeled in front of me, but it wasn't kingdom kingdom core values, right? It was just religion. It didn't, it didn't make me come alive. And so I had to go back and kind of unpack some of that and say, what are some of my core values? And for you to know with me, I've got a lot of them, but the ones that I live... My life out of uh, are basically four, and uh, the first one is intentionality, because God is intentional, amen? And I'm very intentional about what I do. The second thing is uh, genuineness, because God is genuine, and he's awesome, right? Uh, The other one is family. God believes in family. And uh, of course, me struggling with the fact that I didn't have a family growing up, it made me value family even more. And then the fourth one is uh, service or serving. Uh, you know, talk about the five five love languages, and mine's acts of service. And so serving is a really big deal to me, and I, I it's where I live my life from. And so those four things really drive me. So a lot of times I find myself when I speak or whatever I'm doing, uh, my passion is going to come out of those four places. And, and that's really good to know because it helps you It helps you understand who God made you to be. Amen? It's it's so important. And, you know, core values are like the roots uh, that nurture a large tree in a great forest. Those roots bring life to that tree so that it can thrive and that it can bring shade to to the rest of the woods and to the forest. It's like a building that has this structure that helps... uh, position that building in a place where it's going to be strong, it's going to be safe, it's going to orientate itself to the city and to the things that are around it. Those core values are so important for those things. And our core values are the deepest of beliefs that direct our lives. And when a group of people share in the same values, culture is created. And going back to Roman time. Roman culture, that's why we saw Rome was so super uh, uh, successful, because they all aligned themselves around the same core values, and it created culture. And um, a healthy kingdom culture enables people to live in a place of unity. It helps them live in a place of peace and meaning and prosperity and rightly connected to God and rightly connected to each other. It's so important. So important that we understand that um, you know um, one of the core values that we don't have on here and it's, it should be the top core value is is connection because God honors and he values connection that's why he, and, he, and he values family in that connection that's why we were created for connection. yeah, come on, yeah, amen uh, so can we pop that other slide up? should be in order. So, here's, uh, here's the thing as we move into this message about core values and culture. When, we, when it comes to connection, we've got to understand that it's our job to control ourselves. Amen? It's our job. And uh, I love what Danny Silk says. He said, on a good day, I can only control myself. And, and that is the absolute truth. And uh, Psalms thirty two eight says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. And it's kind of funny, you think about, well, how is he going to guide you with his eye? And what he's talking about is his spirit. And, and he says, I'm going to teach you and I'm going to instruct you in the way you should go. And if you read all through scripture, again, the biggest thing we can talk about, how God has such a great value for connection, and the enemy is constantly trying to interrupt that. Amen? He's, he's always trying to interrupt it, and the biggest tool the enemy uses against connection is offense. Offense. And this is big. This is big. I mean, I hate to say it, but the church is horrible at it. Horrible. And guess what? I'm, I'm going to tell you first and foremost, I've been horrible at it too at times. I've made some bad decisions, and I've gotten caught up in offense. But here's, here's the deal. Let me read this definition of offense. It's an annoyance or a resentment brought about by a perceived insult to oneself or one's standards and principles. I'm going to read it again. It's an annoyance or a resentment brought about by a perceived insult to oneself or to one's standards and one's principles. And you know, we see this right from the beginning in the garden when the when Satan comes to Eve and he sows offense into Eve by basically getting her to ask questions, then he asked her questions, and she's saying, hey, you know, we can't eat from this tree, and the devil is basically saying, you know, why you can't eat from that tree? Because as soon as you eat from that tree, God knows you will become like him. So what happened to Eve? She got offended. She got offended. Why? Because she she felt like God was trying to withhold something from her. And that is, listen, that is the biggest lie, and we see the result that w- what happened from that was the result was offense, the, the result was sin, and then the result was disconnection. And, you know, from the beginning, the enemy has been trying to separate us from God and from each other, and um, it's uh, it's one of those things... It's it's so easy to get caught into these things, and we don't even see what the what the enemy is doing. Can we put that other slide up? Second Corinthians six three, and uh, this is so important. It says, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. Now, the ministry, is is it talking about just our ministry? It's talking about the ministry of Jesus. It's talking about the church. Can you just imagine in the last decade how many people we've lost in the church because of this thing, because of offense, and because we didn't rightly divide the truth, and because we didn't know how to do things in a healthy way, and you know, God gives us a free will and the ability to choose to be what kind of people we're going to be. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's the thing about free will. Sometimes it feels like, oh, that stinks, because it'd be so much easier if just God told us, okay, you got to do it this way, you got to, but he gives us free will. And in giving us free will, we have an opportunity every single day that we wake up, whether we're going to be powerful or we're going to be Powerless. I mean, seriously. And there's been days I've woke up and I've been powerless. But that's not on Jesus. That's not on God. That's not on the Holy Spirit. It's on me. And there's been times, I mean, I, I've repented of it a long time ago, but there's, there's been times that the things that I've gotten offended in, it's hurt the ministry. And it's hurt the people around me. Can we be honest with each other, right? Come on. This is the biggest tool that the enemy uses in the church. Matter of fact, it's probably, the, it's probably 99% of it. You know, we, we see it all the time. Oh, well, so-and-so looked at me that way. I'm offended. Or so-and-so didn't say a certain thing to me today. I'm offended. Or so-and-so didn't react the way I wanted him to react. I'm offended. Well, guess what? You got an opportunity to be powerful or powerless. And most of the time, those situations lie in the place of identity. Because your identity is not solid in Christ. Because if it was solid in Christ, you'd be powerful. You'd be thinking powerful. But because it's not, you become powerless. That's who you were before you met Christ, was powerless. Man, how many of you guys remember those days? You felt so powerless about everything. And, you know, powerless, the the difference is powerless people, man, their language is so, so different. It's, I can't, I'll try if I have to, right? And and powerless people create an anxiety-driven environment where they blame the messes they create on other people. That's how powerless people react. Then on the other hand, powerful people have language like, I can, I will. They take ownership. And their goal is to provide an environment of strength and safety. Amen? Proverbs 17.9 says, Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he or she who repeats a matter, it says it separates close friends. Man, that's so good. I mean, listen to that. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he or she who repeats a matter separates close friends. And you know, even in that realm, I've had to go back and look at some things I've done over the last year and a half or even with sometimes with my own family with not communicating how I felt about something. And then it turned into an offense. And all it did was because I didn't cover it in love and I I reacted rather than responded I created a huge mess. I'm just being vulnerable. Is that okay with you guys? I'm not perfect, okay? None of us are perfect. We're practicing to be perfect. Right, that's good, Greg. And, um, you know, it's, again, like every day we get up, we have a choice to walk in a place of being powerful or believing lies that the enemy brings into our mind. And, And Joyce Meyer was always right about this. The battlefield is the mind. I mean, the battlefield, this is where it all takes place. And we've got to get to a place where we don't, we don't speak out those things that are going on in our head until we get it under the microscope of truth and then let that thing just pull it out of us and, and make declarations on that day of who we are and who we are in Him. And, you know, if we want to win the the battle between fear and love in our relationships, then we're going to have to make this decision above all others that no matter what we do, we're going to pursue the goal of connection. We're going to pursue it no matter what, no matter how hard it is, no matter how painful it is, no matter how much we want to just brush it off and just ignore it is the worst thing to do. You know, in the South, we're real good about sweeping stuff under the rug. And go, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. But here's the deal. Jesus said it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. They keep coming in, and they keep picking from that fruit. And before you know it, you don't have any fruit left. Because <laughs> they, they come in undetected, and they're shifty, and they're smart. And that's how the enemy is. And so we got to recognize that. We've got to make a decision that we're not going to quit going after the the pursuit of connection with people, even when it's hard. And, you know, I know... This will be the best thing you, you, you'll do, but it's also the hardest thing. Let's put that next, this uh, next slide up. It's the hardest thing because it's, again, like Danny says, it's my job to control myself, and I don't get to control others. As much as I want to, and as much as sometimes I'm in communication with somebody or I'm disagreeing with somebody, and I want to just say, you've got to believe like I do, I can't control what they do. And when that happens, I've got to understand that it's, I've got to respond to that situation instead of react to that situation and, and understand that I just have to control myself. And the main thing I got to do, I have to control myself towards love. And I've got to remind myself that love covers everything. Love covers a multitude of sins, it covers a multitude of trans- uh, transgressions. Number two thing you got to do is my number one goal and priority in relationships is building and protecting connection. These two things, if we can commit to these two things and we can say these things and focus on these things. It is going to help us in our relationships, like, just unbelievable. It's like it, you're, it's going to take us to a whole other level. You know, when I was at Bethel, Atlanta, we, we modeled what we called a culture of confrontation. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> a culture of confrontation. Man, just hearing that word confrontation is, is so scary. It's, it's hearing that word immediately gives me thoughts, probably gives you thoughts about uh, pain, hurt, aggression, yelling, arguing, and rejection. You know, right? When you think about that. In confrontation, people run from confrontation. They run from it. But what we were trying to model was you can literally run to it and do it in a different way. And it can be healthy. But we've got to go back and retrain ourselves to know how to use the kind of language that aligns us with heaven's language, so that we can we can bring health to a situation, and uh, you know, m- most of the time we have seen it done, uh, we, we've seen it done wrong. When we talk about confrontation, confrontation means, hey, I want to come to you and tell you everything that you've done wrong, and I want you to sit there and I want you to take your lumps and I want you to like it, right? And and you come out of those meetings, and you don't feel good about yourself. Why? Because the goal was not for connection. The goal was to tell you what a horrible individual you were and how you adversely affected me in my life. Love had nothing to do with it. It had to do with me personally. And when we see that modeled, then when you hear the word, you know, again, we talk about healthy confrontation, a culture of confrontation. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And, uh, you know, a true culture of confrontation models honor and love, and the goal is always protecting that connection. That's the goal. That is the goal. And if that's not the goal, then, th- then that, that time of connection needs to be just dumped. It needs to be washed. And and you not take it personal because it's it's not about you it's about the other person and uh, you know God's always been uh, it's God has always been about connection and it'll never change you know even after Adam and Eve sinned God wasn't running away from Adam and Eve what was he doing he was walking through the garden looking for them calling out to them. Who was the ones that ran? Adam and Eve. They were running away from connection because of shame. God never ran from them. He didn't go in and go, okay, angels, I want you to go take these two people, and I want you to kick them out of the garden. I want you to take them. I want you to kick them out of here. And he said, I don't want to have anything to do with them. That was not who God was. He's not an absentee landlord, right? Right? Because an absentee landlord doesn't want to have any connection with you. He just wants his money or he just wants what he wants. And if he doesn't get it, he'll just send somebody else to do the dirty work. There's no connection there. No, God came after them. Why? Because he's a good and he's a loving father. Those traits of who he is live on the inside of you. And we all have the ability to walk in a place of truth. We have, a walk, we have the ability to walk in a place of being powerful. You know, here's a definition of... Here's another word for the definition of confrontation. It's a meeting of persons face-to-face, an open conflict of opposing ideas. i gonna read that again because that's good. It's a meeting of persons face-to-face with an open conflict of opposing ideas. How many of you how many of you men and women in here that are married, you have face-to-face meetings with your husband and your spouse with opposing ideas. Right? All the time, every day. Might not be every day, but a lot. And and what's you know, you, we we get to a place, and we used to say this a lot, and, and you know, we get to a place where we have to agree to disagree. Like, I need to value you more than just being right all the time. And I need to value the things that I love about you more than the things that we disagree on. So we need to get to a place where we can agree to disagree, where I see the same value that God has for the other person. The same value. God doesn't kick you out of his life because you don't dis, because you don't agree with everything. No, he runs to you even when you sin, he runs to you. This is important because listen, this is how we treat people. And man, especially today in the middle of this cancel culture that we've created, that's the new model. You disagree with me, I'm cutting you out of my life. I don't know how many people I lost as friends on Facebook. In 2020, because I refused to agree with some of the stuff that was being propagated. And I got canceled. I'm like, how dare you cancel me? How dare you defriend me? I mean, seriously, it hurts, you know? You're like, you defriended me just because I didn't agree with you. I you no, you didn't. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> No, we, we've got to understand we can agree to disagree. And we can still pursue connection with each other because you're valuable. Even if you don't think like me or I don't think like you. I mean, Luke, even if I don't like the Eagles, you can still love me, man. Come on. I still have respect for you. I still have value. I know I'm a Cowboys fan. Don't hate me because it's God's team. We We know. Anyway, yes, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Let me reel it back in. Let me reel it back in. Jake's offended. Oh Lord. Oh man. Okay, I got to find out where I'm back. First, First Peter four eight says above all. Somebody's texting me right now. I'm canceling you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is it you, Luke? No, I'm just kidding. I see your hands. First Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Since love covers a multitude of sins. Man, how many people could have benefited from that in 2020? <laughs> Including me. Man, we we we've got to get good at this, guys. And the church sucks at it. Sorry, that's a bad word, but I'm just telling you, they do. Dallas, would you agree with that? Okay. Dallas is my cheerleader. Thanks, Dallas. He's also my pocket theologian and pocket uh, Bible historian. And because your name's Dallas, you're my homie. So, yeah. Um, You know, here's the thing. It's amazing how much you can strengthen a relational connection and resolve relational problems when you communicate love. Right? I mean, really, it is. But it's a tragedy when we go into this cancel culture thing because that can't happen in a cancel culture because we, don't, we can't agree to disagree on anything. We just, you're out. We don't value anything about you. And, um, you know, the thing I've learned over the years, which it's taken, you know, I'm a little slow sometimes, but, you know, each display of love that we show towards somebody, this, this is big, Is an act of spiritual warfare. You know why? Because love dismantles fear and it dismantles anxiety, it dismantles hate, it dismantles a whole plethora of things that only love can do. And it creates an environment where there's safety. I don't think I've ever been in a relationship or been in a conversation where, if I came in with love, that it didn't end really well. I remember if I said his name, you probably know who he is, but I'm not going to do that to him. So, but I remember uh, a while back, a while back, probably like seven or eight years ago, I was in a counseling session uh, for a marriage that was broken and separated, and in the in I was in in a room with a, a, a man. And he was telling me all the things that were wrong with his wife. And then he was telling me all the things that he had done. And there was a part of me that got angry with him because I thought he was a jerk. Can I say that? I thought he was a jerk. I actually said something ugly to him. Uh, But here's the deal. It it was a shocker. Like, It shocked him and it shocked me. I mean, seriously, I said, I said, it was shocking, okay? Because something inside of me welled up, but I believe it well, and I've never had this happen again, so I knew it was supernatural and it was God. I mean, seriously, something in me welled up, and when that came out, and it was, I said something ugly, it came out in love. It's the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I, I, I don't suggest doing it, Okay. Because you might get in a fight, but that day, that moment, God was on it because love was behind it. My heart was broken for this guy, and when I did it, instead of him rising up and getting mad, he broke down. I'm talking a six foot two, three guy, 250 pounds, on the floor crying like a baby, and then I just literally fell on top of him and, and cried on top of you, Literally. I was like, thank you, God, it didn't beat me up. You know? This is a true story. I'm not lying, guys. It was. If you'd have walked in that room, it would have been really awkward right at that moment. But I'm telling you, it worked. Why? Because love never fails. Every act of love is an act of spiritual warfare. Because it diffuses the anxiety, and the fear, and the shame. I mean, seriously, I mean, it, it's the most amazing thing. Why? Because it invites each person to bring his or hers best self forward in the relationship, and it communicates this. This is how it, you do this, you can practice this. When you go into an, a situation with somebody where you've been offended and you go in with the sole purpose of connection and healing that relationship, God will work on your behalf. And when you come in with language like, this is how it made, this is how it made me feel. This is how it affected me. This is how I experienced you. And you do it in a place of love. That person, ninety-nine percent of the time, is, is gonna. They're they're gonna they're gonna make it right with you. Why? Because you led with love. You didn't lead with accusation. You didn't lead with judgment. You didn't lead with, lead with pointing a finger. You were saying, "This is how I experienced you." I'm not judging you. I I value you. But when you do that, man, it creates this environment where people can connect. Talk, heal, change, which is incredible. We, we had a situation a couple of weeks ago between a couple of leaders, and they did the exact same thing. They went to each other. This is how I experienced you. This is how I felt. This is how you made me feel. And guess what? It ended really well. Why? Because the goal is connection. The goal is not to tear somebody down and devalue them. Because that's not what God does to you, Right? And and if he does, then you're not you're not hearing from the Lord, from the Father. You're hearing from the enemy. Because God's not like that. God's a loving God. God's been misrepresented for a long time. For a long time. And we've got to get better at being powerful. Powerful people that understand that we can bring peace and comfort to an anxiety-ridden environment. Scared people will always show you their worst, okay? They will. They, they will. they will come out swinging. They will come out fighting. They will come out biting, punching, all kinds of stuff. Scared people will show you their worst, but when they feel loved and honored, they will usually show up and show up and show you their best, and this is, this is true the majority of the time. Now, m- sometimes, you're, uh, every now and then, you're going to get a case where that person is not going to show up. And that person is not going to walk in love. That person is not going to be repentive, And that person is going to be mad. Why? Because you just said no. And you drew a line in the sand. And powerless people don't like you saying no. Because they want to they suck you dry. I'm serious, guys. This is the truth, right? Okay. I've had a lot of them suck me dry, let me tell you. You know whose fault it was? It wasn't their fault. It was my fault because I didn't set up a boundary. So we set up those boundaries and we say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to give you permission to have free access into my life like you used to because it's not healthy and, and you're not worried about how it affects me. And you're not showing any kind of repentance in this in a good way. So, therefore, I'm not going to give you access to me like I used to. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're still walking in love. You really are. All you're doing is saying, hey, I need, I need some changed behavior. Without changed behavior, there's, you, you don't see the fruit of repentance. Repent means to what? Change. Change. Change your mind. Turn around. Change. You know, um, trust isn't built in the absence of mistakes, but in how we clean up a mess. Trust isn't built in the absence of mistakes, but how we clean up a mess. If you're not willing to clean up a mess, how am I going to trust you? Should I trust you with with my life, my time, my resources? No, because you weren't willing to clean up your mess. And that sounds really hard, but we, we have to hold people accountable, right? In a good way, in a godly way, the, 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 the right way. With the goal, the goal is not to say, hey, you're wrong, I'm right, na na boo boo you know? The goal is to, to keep, keep connection together so that we can continue to value each other and value the things that God created you to carry, Bill Johnson just recently quoted, I put it on Facebook and it bears to be repeated, and this is really good. uh, The spirit of offense will give you the ability to hear things that haven't been said. You say it again. The spirit of offense will gift you with the ability to hear things that haven't been said. We can get offended over the stupidest things and things that haven't even been said. We just we make it up in our heads. Seriously. How many of you done that? I've done it all the time. I just start thinking stuff. Why? Because it's the enemy, the enemy's coming in, well, this and this and this. They looked at you this way and they were thinking this. You can't judge somebody's intentions by their way they look at you. They could be having a bad day. I mean, you just don't know. So, man, don't want those gifts right? So what's the process we should go through? I'm winding this down. This is really easy. I mean, I'm not trying to make this hard. I just want everybody to be aware that when we're trying to create a culture, a kingdom, a kingdom uh, culture, we have to have core values that are going to support the culture. And we have to walk it out and own it, right? Okay. Because you're constantly having people come through the doors that are in different places in their lives, Everybody's in a different place in their life. I remember one preacher preaching one time, and I just thought that was the dumbest thing i ever heard anybody say. Well, not anything, but almost dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say was, uh, I don't want to pastor codependent people. There's going to be a level of codependency in every every individual's life because we're not all the same place until we get to a place where we're healthier and we don't have to be codependent, right? So... We've got to understand that people are everywhere on the, on the grid. They're all over the place. So in order to deal with, with, quote, offense and deal with it the right way, what is the process we should all go through? Again, not to be gifted with the spirit of offense. Let's go to this next slide, and uh, this is really good. So I want you guys to take this in. So when someone offends me, there's, there's two different paths you can go. Let's go to the one on the left. The the one on the left is unhealthy. You go around and you tell people about it. And in the process of telling people about it, the person that is listening to the person telling them begins to think less of my offender. Why? Because the funny thing about human nature is we feel like we have to take sides. We feel like we have to take sides. And here's the truth. We don't have to take sides the enemy wants you to take sides. Why? Because he wants to divide. So, the next thing is they join me in speaking negatively about my offender. Then what happens? Oh man, that's another whole Pandora box that gets opened up. Let's go the other lane. What should we do? And I'm I'm telling you, I've done it the left side, and I've done it the right side. And guess what? The right side is so much better. Amen? And and it leaves less destruction in its wake. All right? Go directly to God in prayer first. Wow, that's a novel thought. Mm. Go to God first in prayer. Why? Because he listens to me, and he gives me his perspective. What is his perspective? A heavenly perspective. A heavenly value for the creation. That's his creation that he created. He doesn't want you trashing his creation. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to point out all the amazing things about this person. And then he's going to talk to you about walking in unconditional love. Then you're going to come out of there feeling peace. And the need to vent to others is gone. Then the next thing you do is you go directly to the person with brave communication and love and restore the connection. And we do that with brave communication, like I said earlier, with things like, this is how it made me feel, this is how I experienced you, uh, but I value you, and I, I want you to know I love you, and this is who I believe you are. When you do those kind of things, connection will be restored. There's no way around it. Let's go to the next slide. And I'm just kind of focusing on this again just to make sure we, we understand the, you know, the repercussions of when we don't go to God. What happens? It causes others to sin. Creating division in relationships. Making myself more upset by rehashing the details. Directly knowing and willfully obe- disobeying God's word by reacting rather than responding to my flesh. And then on the other side, when I go to God, and what I'm telling God is I've, I've honored God first and those involved by valuing, valuing unity over the temporary satisfaction of gossiping to gain sympathy from others. That's a huge thing right there. People just want they want to be heard. They want to they want to be sympathized with. But it you and we all have that need. But it can't be over. It can't be it can't be over the the command that we need to love one another and honor one another. And I'm not talking about. Listen, you, you guys might be going, "Who's he? T- somebody? Somebody been getting offended? Somebody been?" I'm, I'm not preaching this or talking about this because somebody's doing this right now. I'm, I don't do that kind of stuff. This is just one, of, we're going to start unpacking core, kingdom core values and the things that we need to do as kingdom believers and, and kingdom followers to be able to advance his kingdom in a healthy way. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right, I'm done. Craig, you want to come
1: up here? All right, love you guys. You, <clears throat> wow, great word. I mean, how many of you guys want to live this? I really think it's important because, you know, it removes that shame. You know, when you, when you, uh, the enemy wants to create shame in you like Adam and Eve, and they went and hid, what did they say? They said, we're naked. And the reality is, I don't know if you've ever heard the statement by John Maxwell, but the higher you go in life, he said leadership, we all lead, we all have influence. The higher we go, the more you see they're behind. And it's the ability, honestly, to see each other at our lowest moment, naked, and still see each other the way God sees us. And it's so important. And I believe that if we don't master that, we'll never be a supernatural culture. Right? So, stand to your feet. Um, I don't have anything deep. I've got a couple. uh, I really felt like during worship, just hold your hands out. And this is really tied to what Chris just talked about. I really felt Psalms 126 um, in the Passion Translation really came up, and it really was the end result of us receiving this message, practicing this message, and living this out on a daily basis. And this is what it says. It was like a dream come true. It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage. And brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in saying, The Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Somebody say, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our heart, dry hearts are drenched again. Those who sow their tears as seed will reap a harvest with joyful shouts of glee. They will weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter, shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. Here's why I read this. I, I saw Bill's shirt. Bill, turn around just for a minute. During worship, and I feel it's tied to the message, and it says tipsy turtle, and then I saw Sanibel Island. I know a lot about Sanibel Island because I grew up in South Florida. There was a flood that covered the whole island of Sanibel, and so the word tipsy is that God is going to fill us so much with this message of learning to see each other, view each other properly, and to walk without offense, to be unoffendable. That we're going to be tipsy-turvy. We're going to be constantly overflowing with joy. Come on, did you get that? So hold your hands out. When we have, when when we allow the enemy to disconnect us from community, we lose our joy. And I declare right now that God is restoring joy to you. As you learn and live out this message, he's restoring joy in your relationships. He's restoring joy in your finances. He's restoring joy. In your, uh, even in the places of where you, in a job that you do not like, it's possible to live with so much joy that you're still overflowing with joy. So I just declare that over you right now. Secondly, you're going to be able to dream again. When we do, when we receive this message and live it out on a daily basis, when you disconnect, you lose your ability to dream. Isn't that right, Jake? So I just, I declare there's a, I feel the anointing right now. There's a restoration of dreaming in this place where you have not been able to see beyond your circumstance and situation, and your eyes are going to be healed and opened up so that you can see the future properly through the eyes of the Father with eternal perspective and redemptive nature, and you're going to break through what you thought was a such season is going to become your dream season. Wow. And then thirdly, Sanibel was covered with a flood. I believe the Lord wants to flood us with his presence and his glory and his goodness. So I just release that over you right now that God is healing relationships. God is healing relationships. God is going to make you unoffendable. Lord, I ask you right now, Father, just lift your hands to heaven. We, just have, we receive this message let us be such a community that walks this out, that we become, a we restored to our former glory, the place of the commanded blessing, the place of unity, the place of love. And the world will look at Zion and say, we must go to Zion. We must return to Zion, the, that we will actually attract the world to us because we, have, we live in a different way. Man, I just released it. Father, as we go out this week, give us the courage to live this out even in our workplace. Live it out in our home. Live it out in every every part of life. Let the anointing flow over this right now, Father. And Lord, we ask that you would give us courage to invite people this week. To invite them to come next week, God. I just felt like the Lord said that there's some people that you have been praying for to have an encounter with Jesus. The reason they have not yet had that encounter is because we have allowed offense to come into our life. And that God is removing the offense and the people that you've been praying for are going to begin to come. They're going to begin to come. They're going to walk into Zion. So, Father, we pray for that. We pray for this week. I just release healing. Oh, that's the prayer team to come up. If you do need prayer, let's give God praise for what he's done today. Come on. Um, am sorry if you will come, if it's all right. And uh, if you have something you need prayer for, we want to invite you to come. We're going to pray and agree with you. Listen, this is going to be an awesome week. How many heard what Pastor Chris said about 80-something percent of people that... Are not coming to church will not come if you don't invite them. Most people are going to come because you invite them. Who's going to invite somebody this week? Let's pray for, listen, pray for people. Ask God, who is it that you want me to target? Begin to pray for them on a daily basis and invite them and keep inviting them. And I believe they're going to come. You're going to have a great week. Father, I bless these people. We're going to go out with shouts of joy. And let us return with harvest next week. Next Sunday, we're going to come back with armfuls of harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Go have a great week. We love you guys. If you need prayer, come on to the front.
0: For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website